Hey everyone, welcome back to the Devil's Advocates podcast. Um, for episode one, we're just going to dive into the moves that Tom made uh, in the past week or so. Um, let's just jump right in and start with the uh, start with the extensions. So I personally think the best player that we just extended was Timo Meyer. Uh, the other couple guys that were with us last year to get an extension. It's a little peg below that. Uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I'm sure we are in full agreement on this one. So. Yeah, BP is shaking in his boots over there. <laughs> First of all, uh, I love that you let off with we're, we're diving into Tom's moves. We're on a first-name basis now with Mr. Oh, Fitzgerald. Absolutely. <laughs> it is hot Tom summer. It, sure it, is. It, it is hot Tom summer. I'll say that. Um, I mean, the extensions really are what they are. I think they all came in at about the term we thought they would be and about the salary we thought they'd be. Um, and I think the big, big story is that we really didn't overpay for either Brat or Meyer because both of them, I mean, coming into these negotiations, especially, I mean, trust me, my Twitter mentions as a Jesper Brat fan for the past six months or so have been an absolute war zone about... <laughs> Uh, people who assumed that they knew what you know Brad's camp was asking for, and everyone was like, "This guy thinks he's worth nine or more. There's no way his, his camp really needs to come down off that number or whatever." And then he comes and signs for seven point eight, and everyone's just like, "Huh? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, that works. No, let's do that." So, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like Timo was a little more. Um, a lot of people saw the qualifying offer number of ten. 10 million dollars for one year and they were like oh my god like we cannot pay this guy 10 million a year so for it to come in people already kind of accepted the fact that you know he's going to come in around nine we'd go up to nine five whatever it is and when it comes in at 8.8 everyone again it's just like oh yeah okay, yeah okay let's just do that so i feel like there was just a lot of any question mark there was came in either where we needed it to or a little under where we needed it to yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, especially with that Brat deal, to be honest with you. Um, I was, I kind of assumed that he would be somewhere between eight and eight and a half, kind of closer to eight. But to get him below eight million a year is awesome, so awesome. And then with Timo, I, you know, the things that I kind of heard um, were that he would be signing for under eight and a half. So I was a little surprised that he um, he came in at eight point eight. But it, you know, he's he's probably a 10 million dollar player like his qualifying offer is um you know it's super hard to get a power forward nowadays um let alone someone of that caliber i would argue he's probably the second best caliber um power forward in the league next to matt kachuk um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm stoked about both of them you know they're they're both unreal players you know, before we dive into that before we dive into that a little bit further, because I definitely want to talk about uh, definitely those two guys, and then Hala, uh, who has returned with us and extended as well. Figured for those that did skip episode zero, uh, probably <laughs> should mention I am Jake, uh, hosting our uh, daily Good Morning Devils fans uh, and a constant contributor here uh, going forward with the Devils Advocates podcast. Uh, team. Timo, as far as the best extension uh, for the entire offseason, not just Devils, I'm talking any team, best contract signing in the league. Interesting. Uh, and then obviously we have uh, BP, the Brat Pack, with us. Uh, obviously, as his name would tell, agrees with me, Timo, the best contract. <laughs> and uh, who started us off, uh, JP over there, 
Uh, if is it a clean sweep, or are you team Timo? I I am team. Oh man, that's that's tough. I think I'm team Timo. I think I'm team Timo just because I love watching him play. Um, not that I don't love watching Pratt play. Just to, just putting that out there. I obviously love what he does, but. Timo is just it's it's hard to find a player with that level of skill and that level of like grittiness to his game. I know I'm an analytics guy and the word grit is like heresy to us, but you know, it's just it's fun to watch. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, um just to kind of jump on what Jake said, we kind of skipped introductions and went right into it because that's how good these contracts are. We get mm-hmm. stress stress that point. Um but yeah, no, it, it's your boy P out here BP out here the Brat Pack, but um uh, I think when it comes to grit and analytics, there's almost this like idea that they go against each other because there's been this argument for a long time that, you know, players who play with grit have this inherent value that even if their other numbers are, are low, that their grit kind of, or their physicality or whatever you want to call it really kind of makes up for that. And you need a certain amount of players that, that carry that. And, I think that's where that argument is just like, no, we need players that are just good. And then there's these kind of exceptions like Timo Meyer and Matthew Kachuk who have the grit, but they're also just good. And that's kind of what matters here is if you can be a good hockey player who, you know, scores goals, get assists, you know, play off the puck well, and also add this like level of grit and physicality, there's definitely, um, you know, a certain value to it. But I think a lot of people just kind of overcompensate for these kind of this this old guy hockey mentality of oh well if you have grit you're a good player and that's really just not it it's just like you're just missing part of the picture that guys like you know Meyer kind of paint the full picture of you know what I mean right right add a little bit uh, I'm sure JP could probably speak to this more uh, specifically I don't know if he has these numbers in front of him or knows them right off the dome but uh, you know as Devils fans we all know Timo probably would say himself he wished he produced uh, on the score sheet more in the playoffs than he did. But it was also very apparent that he was involved in every play that he was on the ice for. He yep. drove the Rangers mad. Uh, and in Carolina, he he showed up more on the score sheet than he did in the first round, uh, but still kept that intimidating play about him. Uh, my last point on that is for those that are like anti-analytics they would probably point to Timo and say hey you know he's not on the score sheet but he clearly impacted the game well the analytics say that too yeah they do I was just gonna say I actually do have the numbers in front of me right now you have people that are physical that you your brain sees them do stuff maybe it's a big hit or you know maybe they do make um like one nice power move to the net but like don't score but have like a decent chance uh but other than that, they're mostly getting hemmed in in their own zone. You know, that that's not that great. Uh, you know, you might remember the one big or two big plays and kind of scoff over the, like, kind of more minimal uh, them getting hemmed in. But with Timo, it, you know, it all just comes together. It, you can see it and the analytics back up. So uh, JP could definitely talk a little bit more specific on that for Timo. Uh, and then I want to, you know, I, uh, you know, I was joking around because we have BP here with us, but... I love the Brat contract. I want to get into that. But if you have anything on, you know, that marrying of I, grit, and skill with Timo, if you have anything specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely do. Um, just kind of to piggyback off of what you were saying with the the grit to, like, like big hits, kind of, like, draw a lot of attention. Um, I think a really good example of that is 
none other than Jacob Truba. You know, a lot of people think he's a lot better than he is because he, you know, dishes out hits. He obviously broke Timo's nose in the playoffs and Ranger fans went wild, which like, sure, cool. But other than that, like he wasn't all that great in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, like I said before, I, I do have the numbers in front of me, actually. Um, now, micro stats, that's like stuff like shot attempts, pass attempts, um, zone entries and exits, um, retrievals in the defensive zone. Um, Timo was first on the Devils against the Rangers. He had the highest microstat game score um, against the Rangers. And then for the entire playoffs for the Devils, he was second on the team to Jack, which I think, you know, obviously Jack is unreal. So he's going to be up there. But to have Timo above Nico and Brad and, and Severson and even McLeod had a really strong playoffs, I thought. Um, but to see Timo above those was, you know, kind of expected with what you said, Jake, not showing up on the score sheet, but kind of showing up everywhere else in the game. Um, yeah, and then let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about that Brad contract. I I love it. Love Brad BP. Have a uh, you know, take it away. Before yeah, I go I, BP, I, I gotta say one thing. You called it early, but you called it. You called the signing. Months, months ahead of time, Dan. The insider knowledge you have on that is—I got to get your sources. Dude. Yeah, I mean, all three of us know exactly what my source was, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, I called it about a year early, a year too early. Um, no, honestly, this Brat contract is—I mean, there's—I mean, I very selfishly have kind of two approaches to it. One being you know, just a Devils fan looking at what I think it is, and then two, being a Brat super fan with kind of a personal, you know, vested interest in it where, you know, like I said uh, a little earlier on, um, my mentions and my replies have been a war zone for about uh, about a year now of, well, what are you going to do when Brat resigns somewhere else? Or what are you going to do when he gets traded because he won't sign here? Stuff like that. So him signing for eight years... And at a value that will not have people jumping at me all the time saying that he's vastly overpaid, um, very selfishly is a good thing for me. And, and I appreciate that. But just as a Devils fan, not with a, with a self-interest, I think it's an amazing contract for the simple fact that we have him for eight years. He's part of the core. We've made that clear. He's a back-to-back 73-point scorer. I, I respect that, that he wanted to just match his total from last season. What a good guy, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, he, he, he went from one very, very good season to being a proven player. And I think a lot of people should find comfort in that with an eight-year deal. And I don't know if this is just an argument of what he's actually worth or an argument of what we thought the negotiations were going like or how they were going. Um, but we thought, as fans that there was this drama about someone making more than Jack Hughes and this little, you know, salary hierarchy that, um, you know, I don't want to say fans made up because I know some national reporters kind of pushed it as well, but that we never heard from the Devils about. They never said that they were doing that. Um, so there was this argument of, well, no one can make more than Jack and uh, Jesper's asking for more than Jack and we can't give him that. And there was just kind of back and forth of, Oh well, he's asking for too much. He, you know, if he asks, if he's asking for nine plus, he's really not worth that. We're gonna overpay him, whatever it was. So to see him come in at seven point eight for eight years is such a fair number, and it's such a fair number relative to 
his actual production. Because a lot of people are like, oh, he thinks he's a superstar. He thinks he's, you know, on the same plane as, like, a guy like Jack. And 7.8 is not that. If he was asking for 9 and he got 9 or whatever the number was, and he and he has to play up to that, sure. But at 7.8, we look at guys like Kevin Fiala, um, who he's totally comparable to. And I just think that the contract he got meets the play that he's put forward. It meets the expectations of him moving forward. I think it's fair all around. So I, I'm personally very happy with it. Uh, I wanted to throw in there based on that. Um, I, I'm not going to name any names. If you search Twitter, you can find it. Uh, but I'd say a fairly reputable reporter uh, that reports on the Devils did mention that uh, that the team was adamant about not picking up, uh, not paying any forward more than Jack. Right. Uh, it was a direct quote. Uh, but um, after that, so that was about four months ago. Uh, only a couple weeks ago, when Tom was on the Jeff Merrick show. He very specifically said he does not believe in a contract hierarchy. Yeah, nor should every he. Contract, yeah, every contract's its own thing, uh, with its own comparables, et cetera, et cetera. So, BP no, exactly. uh, said, you know, it didn't have to come in under Jack, as we see with Timo. But man, am I glad that it did because whew, what a what a steal for our boy. Yeah, I was gonna say you were saying it was a, a fair contract. If anything, I feel like he's kind of underpaid. Um, I think is like okay. at least you know the athletic has the these these player cards where it shows the market value. Um, Brat's market value was right around ten mil. Um, uh, JP, do you know how they determine that market value off the top of your honestly, head? Honestly, I don't. Um, I know it's a like a conglomeration of of um, offensive impact and defensive impact. I think are the most heavily weighted categories. So um, I know. Analyst community gets a lot of crap when you try and ask them. So how do they determine that? And then you don't know. But for people that have that opinion, uh, if you check their contract uh, model, it is pretty freaking spot on with almost every contract that comes out. And the ones that don't match, you can almost see where it deviated. And well, all- yeah, they also they also have all of their models like publicly you know, out there. So if you, if you want, I haven't looked into it myself because I just kind of trust the numbers. That's um, why I said off the top of your head, because I know yeah. if, if you look into it, it is there to view. It's not like those things are hidden. No, absolutely. It's, it's all out there to be, to be seen by anyone who's curious. Um, but yeah, the, the athletic had them right around 10 million for market value. Um, and I think kind of to VP's point, um, the whole hierarchy for contract negotiations for the devils is, is so stupid to me. Um, because you, you look at Jack Hughes's contract and obviously he makes $8 million. It's not, it's not like a cheap contract, but it's, it's one of, if not the best contract in the league. So when you're trying to negotiate other contracts and you have that as your example, like it's impossible to, you know, push forward the, we can't pay anyone more than Hughes idea because he's way underpaid, way underpaid. So like Timo coming in and getting eight point eight, absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. He, I mean, Jack isn't even the highest paid player on the team. Dougie makes nine. Yeah, right. Timo's also underpaid. Right. Timo's, yeah, Timo's also underpaid. Well, if I could throw it, um, you know, when you talk about the Jack Hughes contract, it and it's it's funny how you know it's kind of the same people who are saying Jack's contract is such a good value and he's so underpaid and stuff. And then they'll turn around and say, 
oh, well, a guy like Brad can't make more than Hughes because if Jack's worth eight, you, do you think Jesper's worth more than eight? And it's like, well, you just admitted that Jack isn't worth eight, that he's right. getting under. You know, if Jack was making 10 and we're talking about Jesper making eight, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, he's, he's just lower than Jack. So you kind of can't have it both ways in that sense where if we're acknowledging that Jack is underpaid and then we're going to use that as the standard of, oh, well, that's how much he makes. If you think you're worth more than him, you should get more. It's like, well, no, he's worth more. So maybe we should kind of talk about that as the standard, you know? Exactly. Jack at 10 would also be underpaid. So. Yeah, Jack should be making like 14 mil. <laughs> Don't be surprised when McDavid is making $16 million and Jack yeah. is still making eight. Yeah, seriously. I, I, th- I think the, the salary cap came out this week. I think the max contract is 16.7. So look for that on McDavid's next deal. I, I think Matthews is going to get it. That's my hot take. I think Matthews is going to get a max value deal. You think? I do. I that's that's my hot take. I hope I, he does. He he deserves it. I hope yeah. he does. Every every hockey player takes less than they deserve. No, okay. Exactly. Not every hockey player. Some of them are definitely overpaid. But yes. I don't blame them. Like I'm not you're not going to say no to being overpaid. So right. Oh yeah. For them. Good for them. Um, yeah. Big personal liberties guy over here. Get as much money <laughs> as you can. <laughs> but um yeah, go ahead. Uh, you might have just you might have been uh, moving towards this as well, but we had uh, one other returning devil. Yep. Uh, Mr. Eric Halla, three more years at what was it? A three point one five. Three point one five. I think that's a fair deal. You know, we just talked about a lot of players getting overpaid. I think that one's a fair deal. I think if I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me, but the contract projection for him was a little over that. So if you want to go by those, he did take a slight cut. But no, fair value for what he brings. Um, yeah. You know, especially when your best players, basically at his end of your conference, says, "I love this guy." Right. You know, you, you maybe throw him a bone a little bit. It is. I, I will say it's a little funny to me how much value fluctuates in terms of production. Where if you look at Eric Halla for the first half of this year, he was snake bitten, wasn't producing quite where he needed to. Um, and, and he's been around the league a while. He's an older, you know, relatively speaking guy. And so we know what Eric Halla is. The league knows what Eric Halla is. You know, theoretically speaking, his value at this point in his career shouldn't change all that much because you know exactly what, you know, the player he is. But if you look at kind of the first half of this season versus the second half of this season, he went from a, a one-year deal at $2 million to a three-year deal at $3 million plus just by having a good second half of a season plus playoffs. And it's just always so interesting and, and kind of incredible to me at how much value fluctuates because I, I really do wonder how much of his value on this contract is really due to like half a season across a 10-year career. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, even looking at the last, like, say, 15 games of the year, he, he was on a, a scoring bender. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's that that plus playoffs. I think if he fell off a bit in playoffs, uh, it, it maybe would have came in even a little bit lower. Yeah. But he, you could see his value that he brought there. Um, and we already – he's a known commodity, and he can he can at least play with Jack. If well, yeah, yeah. And step in there. He he can feel that he's not the ideal one, especially. We'll get to it, but the other, you know, Timo, Brat, and you know, we'll get to Toffoli. Um, he he should not be needed in the top six anymore. But right, he he could, and so 
really filling in in that third line, which is the ideal spot for him. I, I think it's a great move. I love that he got the full no trade on the first two years. Yep. He bounced around a lot. He can finally settle in with his family a bit, especially because his wife's best friend was just traded here last season. Uh, I love those little you know stories. Just I, I think there's always something more. I, I don't know how much of an impact it makes on the ice, but when you have happy players, especially traveling in the Metropolitan and the, you know uh, Jersey, you're home most nights. You're with your family, right? You, yep. Happy wife, happy life, man. And if her best <laughs> friend is right in the area with her, coming home to a happy wife, uh, Eric Hall is probably on cloud nine right now with that. Yeah, no, I I, I really agree. Um, kind of touching on what you said before with his kind of ability to play up and down the lineup at this point. Um, you know, Jack Hughes, whether whether we like to admit this or not, um, Jack Hughes played better when Eric Hollow was on his line. He just did. Um, I I would prefer Hollow in a third-line role, obviously, but if need be, you know, for injury or, you know, Lindy likes to mix up the lineups, as we all know, sometimes to a fault. Um, but if need be, you know, Hollow could obviously slot into – top six role with with Hughes there and have success like you said um, and I think that's really important just to have that depth and be able to move up and down the lineup and you know as much as I would like to say yeah I wish we got him at you know three million instead of 3.15 like it you know it's not that much of a difference so to have that ability and that flexibility I think is really huge for the Devils moving forward I, my last note on, on Hala, because uh, we do have a lot we're trying to get to uh, for this episode. Keeping in mind he shot at, like, what was it, 3 or 4% for almost over half the season, he still put up only three points less than he did in Boston the year prior where people were saying he had a good year. Yeah. It was yeah. only three points less. Now, he was playing with Jack Hughes, but... He was also, I think, the 2C for most of the season in Boston that year. Yeah, he was playing with Pasternak last yeah, year. It's not like he was playing with Scrubs over there. Right. So if he even remotely shot, you know, 7% in the first half of the season there with Jack, I mean, you know, he, he probably puts up a 20, maybe even 25-goal season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good good deal for the Devils. Um, And then you touched on this before. Let, let's talk about that Toffoli trade, huh? Absolutely. Oh, man, what a banger. I want to hear BP's take on this one. Yeah, me too. You know, I really didn't see it coming. Uh, I don't think anyone was talking about him too much. I, I did hear some, like, chatter here and there about Toffoli, um, but I don't think he was really, like, kind of a main target on our minds. So when it went through, I was, like, blindsided by it. I was shocked. Um, I think it's an amazing trade. Um, I think that the foundation Tom Fitzgerald has built has led us to be able to do stuff like this where there was this kind of vision and i know like the philadelphia 76ers started like their process that they were famous for and it was you know tank to get the draft picks and build your team from within and you know have good contracts and and that's really what we did for a couple of years now and you know we're talking about you know jack hughes being underpaid and i mean that's the conversations we get to have now right. um so so we built this foundation and it exists in a way that now that we're ready to really strike tom fitzgerald can go out and make these trades that really otherwise wouldn't have really done anything but now we're just adding on to this core that we already have and tyler Toffoli 
is another guy that we can absolutely, absolutely use to win now. And the price we paid for him was at a surplus of what we have. And I think that's another really important point is we're not giving up stuff that really matters. Especially, I mean, we can look at the Timo Meyer trade, you know, giving up guys like Zetterland or Doolin. You know, the, the picks are the picks, but is Fabian Zetterland going to make or break this team? No. Is, you know, Mook Madulin, he hasn't played an NHL game yet, and he's coming to North America for the first time this, you know, this this fall. We, we really didn't give up anything important to, to winning right now. And I think that trend continues with this Toffoli trade where Sharon Govich, I liked him a lot. I enjoyed his time here. But is he really going to be a difference maker for this team to win a cup? Absolutely not. And a third round pick, who cares? So, well, yeah. 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 Go I mean, it. it's, it's not even that it was a third round pick. It's we traded Damon Severson, who we already knew who we weren't going to have back for a third round pick. Like we knew we weren't going to have Severson. We, I feel like we kind of knew we weren't going to have Sharon Govich um, yeah. to turn two pieces that, you know, weren't going to be on the team next year into Tyler Toffoli, like a 34 goal scorer with the Calgary flames who couldn't shoot at an open net from five feet away last year. You know, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. And that's exactly it. We're just like, cutting off this like excess that we've built over the last few years and turning it into real win now pieces and i think it's just a beautiful continuation of what tom fitzgerald has been doing so i i would give the trade a 10 out of 10. yeah easily got a couple comments on this one so uh could not reiterate enough what jp said about basically taking free assets almost we're talking was I think at the time it was the second sign and trade in history. Yep. With Sivo. So we're talking a UFA that could have walked for nothing, which we were expecting. We talked about in our episode zero. We're pretty big Sivo fans here. Has some faults, but gosh, this you know, his did his pluses outweigh those. We couldn't afford what he earned and deserved. Would we have liked him back on a much, much smaller contract than he got? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. But he earned every penny of that contract, and we got a third rounder for a guy that was not going to be here today. He had one foot out the door already. Yeah. For Sharon Govich, that's a player uh, that a couple seasons ago, we probably don't make this trade. Now, you know, any detractors will say Toffoli is in his 30s. He has, this is his last year of his contract. We moved out a young RFA who had a previous 20-plus goal season. Yep, just about. Um, who yeah, I think it was 23. Can play center, can play wings, plays the PK. It, pretty good. I mean, I love Yeezy. I mean, he's it, it, a good player. But where the team is at now, it, you make, like you said, you make this trade 10 out of 10 times. It, no yep. doubt. Yeah, twice on Sunday. <laughs> twice on Sunday. We, twice uh, on Sunday. JP and I had talked about this. Um, you know, I... I almost looked at Toffoli as like a pipe dream. Yeah. I thought this was someone that we had talked about before, we even knew he was available, of someone we would love to have. And then when we found out that the, the Calgary Flames were burning it down, pun completely intended, that Toffoli was available. And then, well, a week, a week and a couple days later, he's yeah. a devil. Whew. Yeah, Whew. no, I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I, you know, for my very small, very new Twitter account... Um, as soon as I saw that, you know, Tyler Defoley was being shopped by the Flames, I sent out something like, 
please Tom. Yeah. And that was that was it. That was the whole tweet. And then like three days later, it happened completely out of the blue. And I was like, dude, I'm a prophet. This is awesome. Plus, just you and your buddy Tom, first name basis. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, guys, we have episode one, our first breaking news wall live recording. Shannon from the Athletic is saying Tarasenko to the Hurricanes. Oh, okay. dude, they're yeah, they're spending a lot of money. They're going think, for it. I think they were offended by saying they had tight wallets. Gee. Yeah. No, they, they, I mean, what? Eight million to Orlov, four and a half to Bunting. Now Tarasenko, like that's look, they're spending, but good for them. Their their windows like two three years. So yeah, exactly. So for anyone that watched my morning show, I had this exact take. Uh, I've said the Devils, I think bar none, are the best team in the East. Yep. Uh, the only team that is even sniffing our coattails is Carolina. If there was any team, they knocked us out in the second round. Full props to them. Rod runs an amazing system. Yeah. Just, I, I just phenomenal. He knows what he wants, and his his players stick to it. And absolutely loading up this year. They they realize, you know, I said this previously. They are on a, in my opinion, you said two to three. I think they're on a one to two year window. Okay. Uh, I, I'm saying one to two. Uh, you know, maybe you know with the cap blowing up, maybe maybe a third year, uh, bringing some guys back. So if they get kind of like some sweetheart deals like we got with our big guys, right? If they get that from some of their key players, I, I can see that. Uh, extending further but as is now with the age and contracts that are out it is it is really a one to two year window and they have to feel us breathing down their necks to just take over the east so um i mean props to them i, I don't know exactly where he's going to slot in i'd have to they made a lot of moves uh in the past week i'd have to really look it over to see what their depth chart is i don't even know what their team looks like right now <laughs> no i know dude it's nuts they they did a lot. Um, they they're, if there was one team I'm scared of in the East, it, I mean it's Carolina. You know, yeah. no, no doubt. Um, yeah, there's, none. There, there's no one else really, really, truly, honestly, um, that I am worried about. They they did good work. I mean, you know, any Carolina fans that are definitely not going to listen to this, you know, you you better hope you make it in these next two years because we're coming. Yeah, we're here. We're not just coming. We're here. That is going to be the quote of the night leaving this podcast. Jake saying, we're coming. Yeah, every episode I'll squeeze that in somehow. <laughs> um, just, I, I know we just talked about the Hurricanes, but let's just circle back on Toffoli for a sec. Um, I, I love him for our system, too. We're, we're a very heavy on-the-rush team, um, which I, I think no one really disputes that. We're, we're not really great at in-zone offense. Um, we're great off the rush. Defoley is great off the rush, but he's one also point great. on that. One point yeah, on yeah. that. Um, I, I do think our in zone offense is going to be a bit better. With the Me too. Uh, is it going to be our bread and butter like Florida or something? Absolutely not. Like right. or Carolina? No, it, that's just not our game. Right. It's going to be better though. It'll be better. Timo Toffoli, I think, are going to share that up a bit. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um. But the only the only thing I guess I have to say about Toffoli again is, you know, he's he is lacking a little bit of speed um, for the Devil system. You know, we run a really really high octane back and forth game, um, and Defoli's foot speed isn't isn't great, um, but I mean he makes up for it and more with the world's sickest shot. Um, mm-hmm. 
and he just he he just throws pucks at the net and picks corners and you know he he finds himself in open space a lot um and i think that's going to be really valuable off the rush for the devils if you have you know say hughes and brat streaking down uh and to finding his way to the middle and and creating some space for himself you know i feel like Toffoli could again repeat another 30 goal season uh, BP, if you have any comments, otherwise I, I got something. Uh, no, go for it. Um, I I haven't seen it talked about too much uh, in uh, amongst Devils fans. Maybe a little bit here and there, but I think it's pretty shrewd and understated how awesome it is that we basically have our top six penciled in, but. At least two out of three, if not three out of three of our third line, are top six guys on most other teams. If we oh, have anyone, anyone slumping, anyone not clicking just chemistry-wise, and you know those third line, air quotation guys, are someone's overperforming. Um, we have a you know we know Love likes to shake around lineups. Yeah, the ability to juggle a little bit and it not be putting someone, uh, you know, baptism by fire. You know, we need you in a top six because it's not working. You're not ready for this, but we need to try something. Right. You know, any of that third line, whether it's Palat, Paula, who they both done it, been there, done that. And I'm talking, you know, high-end octane top sixes they've been a part of. Or, as I'm sure we're all hoping, Alex Holtz comes in and lights the world on fire. Uh, dude, I, I really want him to succeed so bad. So if badly. I feel so in, bad for him. If he steps in and is even a bit of what we're hoping for, it's it's over for this league. I mean, well, yeah. it's yeah. over. You step I, in and you have a 21-year-old 20-goal scorer, you know, like what? On your on third, your, line. third line. Yeah. yeah. Well, not not to mention, um, you know, guys like Hall and Palat, they can step up into the top six, and that's great. But them stepping up to the top six means one of our bona fide top six are stepping down into the third line. Like, you know, imagine having a guy like Toffoli or even, you know, let's say for a couple of games, Meyer on like a third line. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's have, unfair. Have fun with that. Other teams just it's, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, even our fourth line, you know, like for all of the for all of the shit that McLeod gets, um, he's an excellent fourth liner. He really is. He's one of the best fourth line centers in the league, and then Bastion is probably one of the best fourth line wingers in the league. You know, I I, would I, say, I can see the face you're making there. I, I think he's very good. Yeah. So, um, JP, you would right. know this. BP, not as much. I have basically been a Nate Bastion truther since since he's been in this organization. Uh, always got a little bit of flack for that, but I said, hey, there is he's he is an NHL player. Yeah. He he deserves a spot on an NHL team. But like I said, as much as I am a homer on this team, I, I think I like to keep it pretty realistic. I will say McLeod, if not the best, has the argument for the best fourth-line center in the league. Bar none. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I couldn't name another fourth-line center that's better. Nate, in my opinion, is above-average fourth-line winger. I'm not going to call him one of the best fourth-line winger, wingers in the league, but I think he is above average in that role. Yeah, I mean, my my issues with... My potential issues with McLeod are, are not on-ice issues, so... Yeah. Right. 
if we're speaking strictly on ice performance, I think McLeod is amazing, and I would love to see him in a Devils uniform for a very, very long time. I think there's just, uh, you know, other circumstances that may prevent that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, not to go into that, um, I think Bastion is good, and I think he has value. Um, I, I do like a lot of what he brings. I just don't think that he's any different than most fourth liners around the league. I think we that's kind of where we do get the devil's real, you know, rose-colored glasses a little bit where I mean most fourth liners are just fine, you know? Sure. Yeah. I I agree with that to a point, but I was looking at um you know, our boy Jay Fresh. Love Jay Fresh. Um he has he has projection cards based off of his previous model. Um, and like you said, most fourth line players are like, okay, like whatever. They're fourth liners. Um, Nate Bastion, he's predicting will be in the 98th percentile for, for defense. And to have that on your fourth line, you know, 98th percentile across the league on your fourth line is, is, is pretty special, I think. Yeah. And, and we can't forget at least, you know, uh, to a point, our power play was the best it was when Nate was on it for a long stretch, for a long stretch. I hate agreeing with that, but, but you're right. Regardless, I don't think he's a top, you know, he's not a PP1 guy on this right. team. He's just not. But it's just true that it was the best it was for a long stretch. Yeah. He was on it. Now we have Timo and Toffoli, and it, he, there's no shot he is on that top PP anymore. But while he was, I mean, you, you know, there's credit where credit is due in that part. Um, so... So me and my friends have this term for guys like Nate Bastion where, um, you know, I, th I think all three of us agree um, that, you know, the, the buzzwords of grit and physicality and whatever can, can generally kind of be lost in overcompensation for players. Yeah. But there's a very specific type of grittiness that me and my friends have kind of put together and recognized where it's these net front deflections rebounds you know those garbage goals the the cleanup crew we call them and and james van reemsdyke was a prime example of this in his prime when he was scoring like a million goals a season simply by you know these stupid little rebound you know goals that he would put in no real you know finesse to it but those you know as, as hockey guys like to say the dirty areas or whatever you want to call it we call these guys goal goblins they are absolutely gonna grab that goal so i have been calling nate bastion the devil's goal goblin for a couple years now and you know like i said i think there's a lot of overcompensation where if that's the only thing you bring to the table unless you're jvr scoring 50 goals a season for it um actually i don't think he heard 50 i don't remember i think he did once i don't know um <laughs> and, and if that's the only thing you're bringing you know you you probably don't have much but there is kind of a certain skill to bring to the table where you can put those goals in and not a level not a lot of devils players do end up doing that so as much as i think he's a fine fourth liner and i i like the camaraderie he brings to certain guys like i love the whole super buddies thing um love he's it. the goal goblin he's the goal goblin you i know? feel like we kind of have i feel like we kind of have two of them now with with timo we, you know timo's a dog in front of the net Timo, yes. Before Timo joined the team, right. Nate, Nate was yeah. the guy. Now Timo's just so much better. Well, yeah, obviously. For, yeah. for the record, uh, James Van Riesdyk' best season goal-wise was 36. 36. So close oh, yeah, with yeah, 50. Yeah. 
I was thinking of uh, <laughs> see see when I was thinking of total garbage can players that accidentally fell into a fifty goal season. I was thinking of Chris Kreider. I'm sorry. Oh, right. Uh, right, right. Of course, of course. JVR had 54 points that season. That's yeah, worth, let's, that's let's go with that. <laughs> and you're not an analytics guy, so these numbers, uh, you know. Puck goes in goal, I cheer. Right, right. Unless it's Hopefully. the other Unless, Unless it's, yeah. You know, hey, you know what? And this is a tangent we do not need to get into. But there was one time, one time in my life, where uh, me and my, my friend who I was with pre-gamed a little too hard for a Rutgers basketball game and they were playing against Wisconsin who's also red and Rutgers um they usually you know basketball teams wear white at home and color on the road and we didn't realize this when we walked into the arena um Rutgers is wearing red at home and uh or um yeah they were wearing red at home and Wisconsin was wearing the white so Wisconsin for the first like 10 minutes of the game they would like hit a three-point shot and I was getting up and yelling and cheering and whatever and I was looking around and I was like why is nobody else like cheering with me this is awesome go Rutgers and it, it took me a while to realize I was cheering for the wrong team for like the first <laughs> quarter of the game <laughs> sorry I, I... <laughs> was there other trades uh we wanted to touch on at all um uh, I mean Blackwood for a sixth is whatever you know he wasn't going to be a part of the team long term and you know we we're going to get him for pennies on the dollar anyway. In my opinion, um, free asset for a guy that just was not going to thrive here. It, yeah, exactly. Kind of similar to, you know, some other guys we have traded. Um, maybe, you know, a new new home, new destination. Although, I don't know if SoCal is going to be Blackwood's uh, preferred right, destination. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe he thrives just somewhere else. I think there was some behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe, you know, just got in his head between the injuries and... COVID seasons and everything else going on, but um, I'd say wish him the best. But it is what it is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really up in arms about it, or for one reason or another. I'm fine. He's gone. I think the team's better. Yeah. So. Um, I do. I actually. I do have something to say about the Riley Walsh trade, which is kind of a, a, a weird one. Um, I think it's really, really cool that he traded Riley Walsh to the Bruins of all teams um, for a lot of reasons. Um, Walsh was born in Massachusetts. He went to Harvard, which is in Massachusetts. Um, the Bruins need cheap players. Um, he's probably good enough to crack an NHL roster. Um, so I just I just think it was a really like good guy fits move to, to move him somewhere where he would be, you know, on, on NHL ice, realistically, come October. Um, and then to do it for, you know, his home team is, is, I just think it's really cool. I think it's a really good culture that he's putting out into the Devils locker room. Yeah, I you know what? He did this a couple years ago when he traded Will Butcher. Yeah. I think that was kind of and the first real moment that Fitz went out and showed, hey, I'm here to make good hockey moves. I'm here to build a good team. But I also have respect for these guys as human beings and I want to treat my, for all intents and purposes, employees as if they are real people with real lives and real feelings. So he traded Will Butcher to Buffalo where Will Butcher had a chance to play on an NHL team because he did not have that in New Jersey anymore. And I, and I, I, I forget the direct quote, but I remember him saying something around that time where that really was the only reason. It was, we had no need for him anymore. 
I wanted him to go to a place where he had a real chance to be an NHL player. And gotcha. yeah, sorry. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and real quick, uh, Will Butcher got a contract, I think, with Pittsburgh today, two-way deal. So good for him. Uh, but yeah. your point is literally what I was going to say. I think Tom has been an absolute class act. It is yeah. said over and over in this league that it is, it's a small world out there in the hockey uh, stratosphere that everyone talks. They all know each other. And I, I think Fitz is showing that our organization, but definitely him specifically, is a beyond class act but yeah i mean yeah even look at the little the little dinky seventh rounder to david boyle at the draft i thought that was really really cool i just thought it was cool to say exactly that was literally where i was going yeah it was awesome stuff um i know we're we are going a little late um we're what our original plans were i think uh but we have a few more points we definitely want to hit on uh do we have any more any more trade stuff uh colin miller for a fifth um, Excellent. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think it's. I just think it's indicative that Simone Nemec is not going to be on the October opening day roster. Um, but I'm fine with that if he needs to marinate in the AHL. You know, I actually disagree a little bit. I think really? it's. I um. I mean, a little bit. It, I, I think it's a safety plan for if he is determined to not be ready. Um, and that's really about it. Because uh, I think between Miller and Smith. You'll send one of those guys down, probably Smith, uh, through waivers. And if he's grabbed, he's grabbed. If he's not, awesome. Um, if Nemitz really forces his way on the team. And, yeah, that's, that's probably fair. And if not, then, you know, maybe Nemitz, kind of like Luke, comes in at the end of the season. Right. Um, I, I like it for the fact that we have, I think, uh, we already have six guys, defensemen, under contract. Ball will make seven. And if Nemec forces his way in some regard, that's eight. So yeah. no matter how it shakes out, we have a good six-man unit. Night in, night out, regardless of injuries, because injuries are going to happen. Right. No, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Um, that's I know we wanted to kind of touch on the the draft and maybe free agency a little bit, but um, I feel like that's that's an excellent starting point for you know kind of our next episode. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, we talked a lot about the the trades that we made and the extensions, so I feel like this is kind of a good point to uh, to leave it. You know? The draft is not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we got we got our our guys back, new guys that were brought in, some old guys that were sent out. Uh, that way, we can really give the time it deserves to the draft, who we brought in, who's now in this organization that I can absolutely fawn over. Uh, and maybe tomorrow we'll have some more free agency news, as it's been a couple quiet days from yeah. Tommy Boy. Uh, yeah. But as I've said, you know, there's been no media availability yet, so he's cooking. He's, he's not cooking. done. Yeah, he's got to be doing something, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, draft and, uh, you know, what what else we had planned for the next episode, in addition to, I think, unless I'm mistaken here, the kind of, the the where there's smoke, there's fire, there's fire topic right now is the goaltending trades that are still out there. Yeah. So I, th I think that'd be a good, good thing uh, to start next episode on. Yeah, absolutely great. All right. Uh, we will catch you guys next time. Awesome. Jesper Bratt's the best player in the NHL.